Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today's podcast is a replay of an episode we did earlier this week on social media. It is one of our Docktails sessions, and this was recorded live with Jack Sheff and jo- Joanne Harper, who are recent Gold Loopers, sharing the tales of their Great Loop adventure. If you did join us live on those social media platforms, depending on where you were watching, you may have experienced some audio issues. We've cleaned that up on the recording, and so we are going to repost this to social media and also release the audio as this week's episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. So before we jump in, as always, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support The Great Loop. We're also going to go ahead and play a message from one of our sponsors right now. When that finishes, the next thing you'll hear will be that docktail session. So thank you for joining us, and happy holidays to all. Good morning, loopers. Many of you are probably already cruising in southeastern waters, and that is where the Salty Southeast Cruisers Net focuses all of its efforts to help you enjoy your time on the water. So as you prepare for the next leg of your journey and as your resource for accurate, timely, and useful information, we want to invite you to use and add your knowledge to the wealth of information that's available through the Cruisers Net in its directories for marinas, bridges, and anchorages, as well as the latest fuel prices in your area. Our mission of Cruisers Helping Cruisers, may we invite you to help those following in your wake by sharing with us your cruising experiences. Thank you. Have a great day. This is one of our Docktails Live editions. These are where we bring our gold loopers on to tell the tales of their Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. We have traditionally been doing these at kind of normal Docktail time, which is roughly 5 o'clock p.m. Push this one back a little bit because, um, yep, and we've got the Docktails here. We push this one back a little bit because we are finding that for those of us who are looping, five o'clock dogtails work great. For those of us who are not, that might be a little bit early for many of us to be able to sit in front of Facebook and watch something going on live like this. So we're coming to you live on Facebook. We are on the AGLCA Facebook page. We are in the AGLCA Facebook group, and we are coming to you on YouTube. And our guests today are Joanne Harper and Jack Schuff. So welcome, Joanne and Jack. Hi. Hi, I'm Joanne. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you who don't know Joanne and Jack, they finished the loop a few months ago. Um, Like many loopers, had a great time out there. Some of the the folks that know along the way. Um, And you may notice a couple of things different this time. I'm actually coming to you from aboard, as you can tell from the back. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone. We've got some Christmas lights in the background. I'm coming to you from Legacy Harbor in Fort Myers, which is where I will be for the winter. So if we have any unusual technical glitches, I'm not on the same Wi-Fi I would enjoy if I was on a land-based home. Jack and Joanne have probably experienced that along the way. They're coming to you from their home um, on the Gulf in Mississippi, but as you can see, they are also aboard um, because they are what we call all in and do not have a dark house any longer. So they're living aboard, finish the loop, went back to Mississippi. We'll find out a little bit more about what's next for them. 
Um, but to jump into the conversation, Joanna, Jack, tell us a little bit about um, yourself and your boating experience before the loop. Why don't you go first? Okay. Well, Jack and I have been together for 10 years as of October. And uh, this is a... My anniversary, I can't forget. <laughs> and, uh, he told me that he wanted to do something like this on our second date. And so back then, you know, I thought, sure, why not? You know, because I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again. But uh, he, he stuck to it, except he changed from having a sailboat and traveling around the world. That's one of the pluses of the pandemic, maybe the only one, um, because we bought this boat and the loop is much better, closer to home. So it's, it's nice to hear that Jack had some extensive experience um, before, but Jack, what is it about the loop that attracted you and, and made you tell Joanne on your second date that this was something you wanted to do? Well, I, I, um, I had a sailboat in San Diego for years and did a lot of coastal sailing and had this vision. As a matter of fact, had the route planned and I knew where I was going, uh, what month I was leaving. I just didn't know what year. And we were in, the, in, in Miami for the boat show. Was it a year ago or two years ago, Jan, this coming January, and looking for a, a catamaran. catamaran, sailing catamaran. And it was shortly after we got back that sort of, you know, all hell broke loose with the pandemic. And, um, you know, we, the folks that I knew that were trapped, couldn't get in, couldn't get out. They were living in the Caribbean and it got worse with uh, sailors that were beyond that. And I just, I'm like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. I've done a lot of boating, uh, growing up, had a, had a lot of large sailboats and then smaller power boats, but, um, we just, the loop is something that I was familiar with growing up. I, I grew up in Indiana and, and it was just, you know, logical to make a shift. It's the same concept. It's just different cruising grounds. So, um, we have, uh, have thoroughly enjoyed it and, uh, and, uh, look forward to what's next. Yeah. A few kind of housekeeping things. Um, I'm getting some messages that my audio is low. This is a challenge we have with this particular software tool because it's impossible for us to tell talking to one another if something's low. Um, so thank you for those of you who are mentioning that. They're saying Jack and Joanne's is fine. So you guys are good. I'm going to switch to a headset to hopefully adjust that. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you another question. And while you're answering that, I'll make the change. So go ahead and tell us what boat you're on, um, what type of boat, and how you went about picking that boat for the Great Loop. And I'm going to just pop off the camera for a second so I'm not too distracting while you're answering that. Okay. So we, um, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time researching on the AGLCA and, and actually sort of put together a cut list of broke brands and styles that were, were really important. And then had the opportunity to spend some time with Mike Martin at Michael Martin uh, with uh, uh, Curtis Associates and yeah, Curtis Stokes and um, Mike sort of went through my cut list and we, we X'd out about, you know, 70% of the make and model boats that I had sort of provisioned in my mind. And uh, then he, we went about with Mike uh, helping us uh, to find the boat, you know, th this boat was in uh, this boat, which is a cruisers, uh, 2001 cruisers, 4450. 
Um, we found it in Myrtle Beach. It was literally the first boat that we looked at. I kept telling Mike when we were aboard, it's like, you know, Mike, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to really like the first boat. You're not supposed to really like the first boat. And he goes, what do you do? You ignore, you ignore that. Don't be silly. Um, and so we, uh, ended up buying her and, and, uh, for, for our maiden voyage, we, we, uh, got Scott and Karen Duvall to help us bring it back. So the shakedown cruise was about eight days. Yeah. Well, yeah, Scott and Karen with us for eight days, but the shakedown cruise was 1400 miles. And (laughs) six days after we got home to Mississippi, we were hit by hurricane Zeta. So 1400 miles in a hurricane. That was the first uh, shakedown uh, on uh, jackpot. Yeah, I'm not going to try all my fire, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So hopefully my audio is a little bit better now. So those of you who were saying it was low, if it is still low, please let me know. Um, with the headset, I have a little bit more freedom to adjust that. Um, we both have it turned all the way up through the software. So hopefully this is better at this point. Um, a couple more real quick housekeeping things while we're still here at the beginning. For those of you who are watching us on AGLCA's Facebook group, The Great Loop, um, you are—we are not able to see who you are when you're comp- when you are um, commenting. If you go to streamyard.com/facebook, that's streamyard.com/facebook, you can tell Facebook to allow us to see who you are. Um, Okay, we're, I'm getting some messages that there's still a, a mic problem, so I'm going to work on that in a second. Um, no real good way to move it any closer. Um, somebody's mentioning moving this closer to my mouth. That usually kind of makes it a challenge, actually, believe it or not. Um, we'll give that a try. Um, I apologize. That's the hardest thing for us to adjust on this. Um, someone watching on Facebook is saying it is fine. We've got somebody on YouTube that's saying it's not fine. A challenge. Again, I apologize. Um, this records. We will do whatever we can afterwards with the recording to try and correct any of that. So if you're missing parts of it, we may be able to adjust that later. Um, anyway, to continue on, <laughs> um, I've got several people saying that they can hear it fine. So a little bit of a challenge. Um, again, we'll try to equalize all of that post-production. Don't I sound fancy like I know what I'm doing? <laughs> we'll try to equalize all of that on the recording and see if we can get it to a point where all of you can hear both sides of this pretty well, because we want you to be able to hear everything, of course. So um, I'm going to continue on. Hopefully the, the problems are kind of... We can hear you just fine, yeah. That's the important part, because you can hear the questions, and then they can hear you talk, which is really what we're trying to get to. Um, so uh, back to what I was saying, if you are on the Facebook group, we and until you give StreamYard, which is how we're coming to you, permission to show us who you are, we just see Facebook user, which is fine, but just wanted to point that out to keep that in mind. If you're talking to us and, and you think we may know who you are, we may not if you're coming to us from the Facebook group. Um, but throughout this, uh, we are happy to take your questions. So you can go ahead and type those into the comments, regardless of which platform you're watching us on. And uh, we can ask Jack and Joanne those questions as we go along. Um, so it's, it's great to see some of you. Hi from Yachts of Fun. Welcome, um, Jeff and Sharon. Hi, Susie Q. Um, uh, Jane Salvo, hello, uh, welcome. Um, Grand Plan, it's it's great to see everyone here. <coughs> Uh-oh. 
one of the questions that we hear quite a lot. Um, and I think you may have lost me for just a second. Am I back? <laughs> yeah, yep. you're back. Okay, I heard an uh-oh from Jack, <laughs> from Jack and Joanne. Um, uh, just because um, this is such a hot topic right now, how was it finding insurance for Jackpot? Because I know, um, you know, right now that is a big challenge for a lot of people, but Jack, you did have a lot of experience. So was there any issue with you finding insurance when you decided to buy Jackpot? And what exactly was it that the purchase went through? Yeah, the purchase went through a year ago last July. Uh, we, we closed on it either end of June or the first part of July 2020. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2020. So, yeah, I had had, you know, the, the the thing I can tell you about insurance is that, number one, it's more competitive than it was then. There's a lot of companies that were doing it that are no longer doing it. Um, I would suggest, you know, it's very worthwhile in my mind and, and you know, with Mike's uh, advice, we we joined MTOA and we used the folks over there to help us shop insurance. Um, and it was kind of an interesting scenario. We had several quotes. We, we, we were going to go with progressive. And at that point in time, you know, we were hiring Scott and Karen Duvall and Capable Cruising to come aboard and do our training with us. And um, progressive wouldn't cover us if you had a licensed captain on board. So yes, no sense. Yeah, no, no. No sense whatsoever. So um, they have since resolved that. I, I was uh, talking to the, uh, them at the rendezvous, and they've since resolved that. But we ended up going with uh, Geico. But there were uh, plenty of options out there. Or, you know, are they are they as um, you know the the thing about the boat insurance business right now is there's been a lot of storms and a lot of damage, and they've paid a lot of claims. So. You know, the thing about, you know, I spent 30 years in the insurance business and, you know, come one, come all. When it's bad, we all have to pay. So um, I didn't find it a problem, um, but I would say as you're looking and shopping for insurance, as you're getting started, make sure you just lay, sit down, really put your mind to work and document all of everything that you've done uh, in relationship to being on a boat, driving a boat, you know, doing any cruising any any coast guard training everything that you've done and get it all down on paper because they're going to ask you for it so spend some time going back really you know search the crevices of your mind i call it the you know my mind is a is a file cabinet just some of the doors are rusted shut (laughs) and so get the wd-40 out open up the doors and and just recall you know if if you spent you know six months driving a 16-foot boat on a lake somewhere, document all of that stuff so that you have that when it's when it's time because it's going to be important. Uh, do your Coast Guard training um, and do, do your make sure you got your state um, license or some some form of that that you've done as well. So yeah, it even counted for me when uh, we put down that I had been a certified boat driver for the American Barefoot Club for about six years. So that helped. <laughs> right. And you even know, though it was you know, 17, 20 foot boats. Yeah. They're not driving, right. you know, 40 foot boats in the, when they're doing barefooting, but um, it, it all helps. It all, it all matters. And, and just make sure that you document everything. Yeah. That's great advice. And 2021 really has been a challenging year, particularly for those <laughs> without extensive experience 
for those who are looking to upgrade in the size of the boat, you know, yeah. by 20 feet or something like that. We are actually planning a one of our podcasts for right at the beginning of 2022 to kind of give an update from some of our insurance agent sponsors on where the market really stands for 2022, because that's really been a challenge for lots of loopers in 2021. And as I said, both of you had previous experience and and you really kind of were on the front of that curve before it got super challenging. So we'll be getting more information out to everyone about then. We have one question for you. Um, where in Mississippi? We've referenced that you Mississippi is home and that's where you're coming to us from. And uh, the modal murder, motor vessel grand play and was wondering where in mississippi you're from we're from a little town um, between gulfport and new orleans called bay st louis it's on the right on the mississippi gulf coast um it literally is 13 miles um from louisiana uh, across the mississippi louisiana state line um and and uh, so gulfport's about 20 minutes one direction new orleans is about an hour the other direction but lovely little town and not many loopers come here, but I'm telling you what, it's a marina that we all, it has everything that we always look for. It's small, it's quaint, there's ice cream very close. Uh, there's restaurants bars, and, and bars shops. close and shops and it's it's definitely worth a, a day or two well, or a week. It's, it's just how long is the side trip if, if people were to come out at Mobile and, and, and turn right that have left and then come visit Bay St. Louis. We made it last longer. Than yeah, that. well, no, if, you, if you're if you coming from Mobile, we left um, um, uh, Mobile. Uh, I was just trying to think of the name of the river. <laughs> uh, Dog River. We left Dog River. Um, we anchored in a little in a little um, lake in Pascagoula called Lake Yazoo. Uh, it's an anchorage, small anchorage. Nice. It's got, it's well uh, protected. And then the next day we went to uh, Gulfport. We could have gone all the way to Bay St. Louis, but we were um, we, we decided to spend the night in Gulfport, which is the marina that we were in when Hurricane Zeta came last year that we all had the mandatory evacuate. So, it was destroyed, but it's yeah. back. It's back, yeah, it's back good. Um, Gulfport's a great little town, but you couldn't you can make it. Um, there, and the other thing about it is there's there's a whole bunch of barrier islands from the east side of the or west side of the mobile bay all the way to bay st louis with the so there's opportunities if the wind's coming from the south for some nice anchorages with islands that are you know wonderful white sand beaches and you know most of them have no one that lives there so it's 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 a great little uh great little cruise um through the mississippi sound and those little barrier islands are just 20 miles offshore and it is the same almost exactly the same latitude as pensacola and so the water is crystal clear there's dolphins it's beautiful yep commercial for basically well and it's worth the commercial because it's really a part of the gulf and a part of the cruising grounds of the gulf that many loopers don't really get the opportunity to see so thanks for telling me a little bit more about that. I do want to kind of show off a little bit about your boat because Jack and Joanne were at the fall rendezvous and they were kind enough to put their boat on the looper crawl. And um, I think there was a, a line down the dock of people who are looking for a boat and are now interested in a Cruisers 4450. In particular, their Cruisers 4450. So I to um, show some of the pictures that they showed there and let them tell us a little bit about, you know, what we're seeing and what are some of the features here on the boat that really enjoy about your cruiser 4450. Yeah, so the first one was that uh, Joanne's son Nicholas was 
we were on our way to Marco Island and he was uh, on the bow flying a drone. So we had a couple of our buddy boats and had some really nice drone footage. Um, but the cruise was 4450. She's got twin Volvo 74s, uh, 480 horsepower apiece. During the sea trial, she cruised at 25 knots. However, at 25 knots, she burns about 60 gallons of fuel an hour. She holds 500 gallons, so that's a good eight-hour run at 25 <laughs> knots. Uh, we spend a wide majority of our time. Matter of fact, on the loop, we average just under seven mile an hour. We typically cruise between seven and eight mile an hour. At seven and eight mile an hour, she burns about three and a half gallons an hour. So she's not too bad. She does, you know, pretty close to 1.75 to two miles. Uh, per gallon. Uh, so she's pretty efficient. She's got three staterooms. Um, she's, she has two heads. Uh, two heads and we really like the living accommodations for those that are on the taller side. There's lots of headroom. Um, I'm six two and I don't come close to any, I don't have to duck going through doors. I don't have to duck in any of the, you, um, do. you have to turn his got broad I, shoulders. Yeah, so yeah You do to have to turn sideways, sideways <laughs> to work at the doors, but other than that, but, um, <laughs> We spent um, a lot of time <clears throat> renovating after we bought uh, Jackpot. I thought she was perfect to go in. Um, but the Admiral uh, thought she needed a little updating. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? And I, didn't, I didn't include all of the slides. Um, Jack and Joanne also presented at the Fall Rendezvous in a panel discussion on the best boat for the loop and explained why this was the best boat for them. And the three staterooms is really key for a lot of the families out there looking for their great loop boat. Um, but one of the reasons that Jack and Joanne's boat was so popular on the looper crawls was some of the upgrades that they did. So, and, and this is one of them, the tile backsplash in the galley and the, the stainless steel sink. Go ahead and, and tell us about some of the upgrades you made, Joanne. Well, uh, you have to understand what it looked like before. And, you know, yeah. some people still have the, the, the original way and, you know, that's fine for them. But black toilets and sinks were just a little too groovy for me. So we um, changed out the, well, the kitchen sink had two round kitchen sinks with one tiny little faucet between them that um, had to have been designed by a man who had never washed a dish in his life because <laughs> a, a dinner plate couldn't even fit in it. So uh, the solution to that was an RV sink, and there we have it. And uh, the backsplash was uh, wood that had been, you know, soaked by water numerous times and just needed to be replaced. So, you know, if you're going to do one thing, you might as well do the rest of it. So we uh, put quartz countertops in, we painted all the bottom cabinets because the tops are veneer and there's no possible way to match that. And uh, we did the same in the um, both bathrooms. Uh, we put, we changed out the toilets and the sinks and the quartz countertops. And And it just brightened it up so much. The first thing Jack did was change out all of the lighting to LED lighting, and it just changed the color of everything from orange to white. So <laughs> that alone was a lot. So, it was um, a lot less expensive than quartz. And in the uh, bedrooms, the state rooms, the only thing we changed were the light bulbs and the bedding. I put all white bedding so it would brighten it up. And we did change the carpet throughout the boat. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so. Nice picture of the nice brightened up salon. If you've been on these boats, some of them have uh, some dark wood, like as Joanne said, veneer in a lot of places. It kind of darkens things a bit. So um, this is obviously very nice and bright and 
lights. Um, which stateroom is this, Joanne? This is the master. So there's lots and lots of storage. There's cabinets up above and below. And to the right of that, there's a closet. And there's a uh, actually like a dressing table on the other side where I sit and put my makeup on. And uh, there's the full-size, almost full-size bathtub with the shower, which, you know, in perspective, put things in perspective, we have an 11-gallon water heater. So it will give you about <laughs> three, three inches of hot water. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's a beautiful boat. And as I said, it's pretty popular um, for a lot of loopers, but particularly for some families on the loop. Some are who are aboard cruisers 4450s and, and several who are looking for those boats um, in yeah. this pretty challenging market. One thing you mentioned, Jack, about the um, uh, the burn rate basically is that right. uh, 25 knots she burns about, um, I think you said a gallon. 60 gallons an hour. Yeah, 60, 60 gallons. Gallon, gallon a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you typically cruised at, I think you said seven knots, was your typical cruising speed for the Great Loop? Yeah. How challenging was it for you to do seven knots in a boat that's capable of doing much more than that? Oh, uh, that's funny that you asked that question because, uh, you know, once we left here and traveled um, up the East Coast and we, we would we were going nine, nine, ten mile an hour um, and burning, you know, six, seven gallons an hour. And then we met some boat buddies up in the um, Virginia. Uh, no, 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 because no, Sonny was not a good trainer. Oh, that's right. Slow. You're right. Um, St. Clair, Michigan, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the Detroit River, uh, Lake St. Clair. Um, we met uh, two two very good friends and uh, became very good friends that were traveling in trawlers. And, you know, trawlers, you know, on a, on a good day, they go seven and a half knots. On a really bad day, when they need to throttle up, they can go seven and a half knots. <laughs> um, so we spent, we literally spent, left and traveled off and on with them all the way back to matter of fact they joined us in bay st louis when we got so we went from virtually went from michigan to bay st louis with a couple of trawlers um and so i learned to be a little bit more um disciplined patient yeah and <laughs> and i mean frankly and we you know people say seven mile an hour eight mile an hour you can do, go a lot faster than that the reality is, if you want to go fast, why are you on a boat? <laughs> There's a whole lot better ways to go fast than that. That is true. And uh, the struggle to stay at the slower speeds is real for many, though. Um, yeah, you know, I think fuel is. prices are certainly helping some of us who prefer to go fast yeah. be a little bit more patient. Um, but, but it is, you know, there is such a huge difference in the fuel burn. One of the things I hear from a lot of loopers who are still shopping for their boat and looking towards, you know, the motor yacht end of the spectrum, um, I hear a lot, well, we can go fast if we want to. So if we need to outrun a storm or something like that, we can, um, but we can also go slow. How did you find that to be? I mean, did you run into a circumstance where you wanted to go 25 knots for some reason? Critical on the, particularly I thought you find on the Great Lakes and when you're doing the crossing, um, you know, there were days on the Great Lakes, and I, I will tell you, we we and we traveled the entire uh, length of Ontario, Erie. Um, we went all the way up Huron and around and down Lake Michigan, because unless unless I had a sawzall, this one wasn't going on the historic Western Erie. <laughs> so we went uh, 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 the Oswego Canal up to Ontario, and 
you know, the, the Great Lakes are beautiful. Absolutely. The water is clear. There's so much going on. There's wonderful little marinas here and there and everywhere. But the Great Lakes can be challenging and they can jump up and bump up really fast. Typically, if you're cruising the Great Lakes, if the wind changes the direction, you got up an hour to get the heck off the lake. And I found that, you know, there were days that I knew that there were small craft advisories coming in the afternoon and we just cranked it up and we didn't have, we had one day that was rolling on the Great Lakes, but we never had a bad cruising day on the Great Lakes. Or bad weather. We're very fortunate. Right. That and the ability to be able to go fast makes the difference. And we had our friends and their callers, they, they didn't travel with us the entire Great Lakes. They really did not enjoy the Great Lakes <laughs> yeah, they at all. Hated it. They couldn't wait to get out of yeah. Lake Michigan. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, trawlers used to be the more common type of vessel on the Great Loop. I think that's really yeah. changing towards motor yachts. There's nothing, you know, I don't want anybody who's watching this to get the impression that if they do it in a trawler, they're going to get stuck in storms on the Great Lakes well, and, you know, it's going to be a miserable up. experience. Um, because, you know, as Jack said, if there were small craft advisories for the afternoon, they went faster and got to where they wanted to go. Trawlers can either choose not to travel on that day or bite off smaller chunks or things like yeah. that. So, you know, there's yeah. lots of options. I, I think Jack and Joanne's point is very well taken that it gave them a lot more flexibility um, because the cruisers has the ability to go faster. But I don't want to scare anyone who's got a trawler into thinking that, you know, the Great Lakes is going to be insurmountable because it is absolutely doable. You just have to pick your weather a little bit more carefully. Yeah, Kim, and, and it's just part of, I mean, the, the reality of finding the perfect loop and everybody that has a loop boat knows this. There's trade-offs. You're going to find, absolutely. and so you just have to decide what slots are the must-haves, what are the want-to-haves, and what are the I don't care if I have. So, you know, once you figure that out, and it, it, it helps a lot. And Michael helped, helped us figure that out. Yes. And um, so I got one more report of a, a bad audio. It does seem like most of those reports are coming from people who are watching this on the Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook in the Great Loop Facebook group, you may try switching over to the AGLCA Facebook page, which is very simply um, facebook.com slash AGLCA for America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. That may help because again, the reports I'm getting are coming from the Facebook group. Again, after we finish, this is recorded on the back end. We can kind of work with that audio a little bit and try to make some corrections to that for anybody who's having trouble hearing. So um, just wanted to put that out there because we know that not everybody was here right from the beginning when we covered that a little bit. Um, again, we're taking your questions. So if you have a shout out for um, Jack and Joanne or if you have any questions, Feel free to um, put them on. Yeah, and thank you for the wonderful comments on, on Jackpot. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's lots of comments about it. Jackpot is a beautiful boat. Um, Peter mentions that he's had a trawler on Lake Michigan for 25 years and no terrible stories, but he knows yep. the lake. Um, yep. and that's key. And we know that all not all loopers Absolutely. will know the lake, but you can certainly get some great advice from those who do. So that's oh, it's kind of interesting as you do this, you find folks when you get, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, spent a lot of my life on Southern Lake Michigan. And a lot of loopers have never spent any time on the Great Lakes. And then when you get to Mobile, a lot of loopers have never spent any time in salt water and tides. So it's, yep. it's all over the board. You get a chance to learn everything. You do. And we've got a shout out for you from Fred Water. Oh, Maybe uh -huh. somebody you cruised with. 
Um, and Susan Pellet, who's one of our other gold loopers, is uh, congratulating you on the gold. Tell us Thank you. When you crossed your week. It was pretty recently, but go ahead and tell us when that was. It was January, I mean, November 14th. We left January 24th and returned on uh, November 14th. And uh, we uh, came in and the local news channel was here and they interviewed <laughs> us and we had wonderful friends and family who had supported us throughout it. The picture that you have of all of the people on our boat are 15 people who came to Key West to visit us, our friends and family. And uh, it was a wonderful day. It was. Yeah, it was great. It was. And they showed it on TV and they said, uh, Jack and Joanne Harper. Yeah. I so. got to change, I got to change my last name. But they fixed it. I just like that, Jack. Yeah. It, was, it was good. It was good. Because women who keep their last name have to deal with that all the time. Exactly. exactly. Yep. So I want to show, um, I like to ask our gold loopers to send me some pictures that, you know, kind of the best of their, their loop experience. And you sent me some fabulous pictures. So I want to run through those. So. You know, let's let's you know. First of all, tell us what the picture is and and why you picked this as one of the, the those that you thought everyone would enjoy seeing. Well, that is the group of people who attended the rendezvous in uh, Rogersville, and we were just amazed at how many people were there. And oh my gosh, we met so many people. We saw people that we knew, and uh, there were just lots and lots of people. And uh, it was just an amazing event. The only thing closer to that is when we had, um, or our first experience uh, was when we went to Shady Harbor uh, in New York for the pig roast. And there were like 25 looper boats there. And I felt like we were actually part of the AGLCA then, but this was just phenomenal. Yep. And I am on the uh, right-hand side of the uh, banner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was our, you know, we had joined, we've been members of the AGLCA for I think two years or two and a half years. And this was our first uh, uh, in-person event. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everything yeah. had been virtual since we had joined. Yeah. And so we were really so excited, excited uh, to, yeah. to, to come and we went to look every, forward to more. We went to every class that there was. And if there were uh, two at the same time, we split up and <laughs> so that we didn't miss anything. Yeah. Which is so fun because you were on the tail end of your loop by that point. So you, you kind of knew oh, a yeah. lot. People, people thought we knew things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, and you were in the same same boat, so to speak, um, as yeah. many, because we had not had an in-person event in um, a really close to two years at that point. And that was a great rendezvous. And it was wonderful to see everybody come back out and, and start to re-engage. And it's interesting what you said about um, the pig roast at Shady Harbor. And for those who don't know a whole lot about that, um, Shady Harbor is one of AGLCA's long-term sponsors. It is a marina on the Hudson River, north of New York City. And every spring, usually in May, they have a pig roast where they welcome the transient loopers that are coming through. And, and many of them are loopers. And that so that was spring of 2021 that right. Joanne and Jack would have been there. And it was really kind of an interesting time because people were really just starting to cruise again. They were, so yeah. We did a couple of kind of small meet and greets that spring leading up to that. You know, a small one in Charleston, um, a small one on the Chesapeake. And, you know, those events were, were different than kind of our normal events because a lot of people were hesitant. And it wasn't just that they were hesitant about exposing themselves to COVID. 
but I think that a lot of people were feeling their way on how much others wanted to engage with them. So I think everybody's nature was to be super yeah. friendly, but they didn't want to be, you know, off-putting to someone who might have been trying to be cautious. So yeah. long story short, I think it took a few months for all of that to work itself out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think by the time we got to the rendezvous, everybody was really kind of re-engaged and really kind of, you know, ready to go and, and yeah, definitely. experience some of that camaraderie. So that event was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we have a question for you um, from the Motor Vessel Brand Plan. Um, they say they'll be working remotely during the loop. Um, and we're hearing that so much after, yeah. you know, post-COVID lockdown, a lot of people found out that they don't have to be in their office to work or their normal place of business. And a lot of people have started thinking, well, if I could successfully work from home for a period of time, I could do that from a boat. And, you know, nobody at my place of business really cares where that might be. So we're seeing more and more questions and, and technology being what it is. We had been getting more questions about working remotely, but post COVID or post lockdown, we're seeing that even more. So this question, you know, what did you use for Wi-Fi connectivity during the loop? That's a really good question. Um, I want to say hello to Pat Boyle before I answer this. Hey, Pat. <laughs> Pat um, the, the, um, <laughs> The uh, is, uh, we're seeing people on here that we had an opportunity to cruise with Kim, and it's so exciting. And it is let me fun, get back. It? it is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, Motor vessel grand plan. So we ended up using two things. Um, we found that primarily on the East Coast, Verizon was a very good service for us. Until. And as you got up <laughs> north and then coming down the river system, AT and T worked better. So we actually have two um, modems. We have uh, the MoFi 4500 or 4500 and that has a Verizon, uh, my, the SIM card literally out of my iPad um, plugged into the, the MoFi. And um, the thing about that that's interesting is that at least to date, um, Verizon's not able to tell Verizon, anybody Verizon on here, um, but Verizon's not able to tell that the the SIM card isn't in the iPad, so it doesn't get throttled. And the other thing that we had, we bought, and when we were in Grand Haven, uh, a Netgear uh, Nighthawk and put a um, iPad SIM card in that from AT&T. And so what we find is typically between Verizon and iPad, two things, we're constantly throwing a, a, a wireless uh, network around on the boat and we'll we find that one of the two of them works really well so um i i wouldn't i don't think i would be challenged um living that life um and, and frankly in in almost 100 percent of the situations the wi-fi on our boat works better than the wi-fi at a marina <laughs> yes and and i can also say that we are um we have actually got a hotspot essentially that runs on a um, Sprint T-Mobile network. Um, I've got an AT&T hotspot on my phone and we've also got a Verizon hotspot aboard that we have not had to fire up recently. Um, but I think you really hit on the key there, Jack, is that if having connectivity is critical for you, have multiple options because there really is no one that is going to be foolproof 100% of the time. Um, we've got a comment that agrees when you when, when you get when you get two days when you get two days south of Demopolis on the ten tom, <laughs> don't really expect much. 
might be a good day for some PTO at that point. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. you may not have much connectivity. Um, but yes, uh, Marina Wi-Fi, not always great. One of the things we've learned doing webinars and things like this is, is we often test with speakers during the day that are at a marina and everything checks out fine. And then we get on there at night and it's not so fine. And I think everybody's you know back to the marina for the evening, streaming TV right. or, or surfing or whatever they're doing. Um, so actually here at Lexi Harbor, the Wi-Fi has been pretty good, um, the marina Wi-Fi. So that's kind of our fourth option that I have used occasionally instead of firing up the Verizon hotspot. And it, it, it's pretty good here. So they've um, and they've got the on spot here, which oh, yeah. what I hear from loopers and other places, you know, for a marina, if they have on spot, it's better than other solutions. Um, yeah. Still not 100 percent of the time, though. So definitely keep that in mind. Don't don't rely on the marina. Have certainly some of your own um, yeah. options <laughs> available. Let's go back to um, some of your pictures. Um, this one, it took me a minute so tell me to figure out what this was. And then I realized, of course. Um, so tell everyone what this is. This is my favorite lock. And I'm not too much of a fan of locks. But, <laughs> but uh, well, I wasn't until we got to um, the river system. Because the, uh, the locks in the Erie Canal, I highly recommend ice fishing gloves. Uh, they keep your hands warm and dry, and I didn't get them until much later. But this is the Wilson Lock, and we went through this going to Rogersville, correct? Yep. And it is 95 feet high or deep, and uh, it was amazing. And it, uh, the locks have little leaks in the walls in places. It's nothing to worry about, and it, it's actually very entertaining, and they turn into waterfalls and you know, in some places and it's beautiful, but this is us almost all the way down at the bottom and up there, 95 feet is the top. And when I took that picture, I then looked at that wall to the right of that and looked up and said, oh my God, there's 95 feet of water behind that wall. <laughs> but we, we never felt unsafe. It was, uh, the, the lock masters are all so nice and accommodating and um, it was, interesting yeah and the wilson lock is, yes. is not on the main great loop route it's a side trip but to get to joe wheeler state park where the fall rendezvous was you do have to go further on the tennessee river than most loopers will go um, unless they're doing a side trip and the wilson lock is there and, and 95 feet i think that's probably i mean i, I think that's that is the largest the main, yeah the tallest on the main yeah. great loop route is, is less than that so you, yeah. you yeah. had you know a special thing going through there at the wilson lock I mean, yes. That's a great picture of the Erie um, Canal uh, locks. Uh, you know, you start off, I think they're seven feet or something. Some of them are inches. And, you know, it's like getting your, your toes wet for when you get to these. Yeah. And depending where you start, everyone's kind of got a different first locking experience. But for some, right. of, some of those starting on the river system, some of those big locks are their very first time. Yeah. How long did it take, Joanne, if you remember, or Jack? Um, so you really lock through that nine to five feet. Not not so much talking about getting everybody tied up, but once they you know started to that one was at this point correct. Yeah, that one was particularly fast. I was amazed at how fast it went. I have a video if you look at our uh, Adventures of Jackpot Jackpot page, you can see um, a couple of videos that I have as we're going up, and that one goes, less than ten minutes. Yeah, less than ten minutes. Once they start once they start filling it up or. Uh, emptying it out to get from the bottom to the top or vice versa. Yeah. And one of the things that concerns uh, people who, when they start to think about how these locks work is that with that change in elevation of 95 feet, 
and that the fact that it's moving pretty quickly means that there's a lot of water either flowing in or out of the lot, depending on you know which way you're going. Did that create any strong currents or turbulence inside? The so lot I will. I'll tell you this. Um, so from from our experience on the locks on the river system, um, when you're tied up to the bollard, if and sometimes you're rafted up, if there's not more than one boat rafted up to you and you're on the wall, it doesn't create a problem. We we did have challenges. I think there was a I think Pickwick. We had either four boats or five boats rafted up to us, and we were on the wall, and that creates a challenge just keeping your boat off the cement walls those so. big round fenders that you have the uh we had those on the, on the side of the boat and they would get squeezed to inches yeah we had you know one of the folks on the on the boat next to us i can't remember who it was um, but he he ended up jumping off of his boat and getting on our swim platform trying to help us keep we we, we tested our rub rails on both the bow <laughs> and the swim platform yeah, no, uh, no but damage with, but with four or five boats that and you're on the wall, it's a challenge. If you're four or five boats and you're rafted to the guy on the wall, you just sit there and, you know, Literally. have a cocktail and watch them suffer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so most people will recognize the site we're seeing in this next picture. Um, but for those who might be just listening to audio, tell us about this picture. Well, this is one of my top three places that we went. Uh, passing in front of the Statue of Liberty was actually my favorite place. Uh, and I've been to St. Louis before and I've actually been in the arch and uh, just passing in front of it was just phenomenal. Now, there are apps or uh, spots that you can download uh, to, I think it's something, live web, live web cameras. And so I was prepared. I had it on my phone. And all you do is as you're passing in front of it, uh, you just take a picture with your phone. Screenshot. Screenshot. And it, it takes a picture and we're going in front of it. And I'm saying, I don't see us. I don't see us. I'm looking. No Wi-Fi. <laughs> no Wi-Fi. So it didn't work. And I was so terribly disappointed. And a few days later at one of the, um, it was Paducah, I think, um, a sailboat looper uh, sent pictures. He had, I can't remember. The name. I can't remember Remedy. The name. Remedy. Remedy, Remedy yeah. the sailboat. He was wonderful. He, um, didn't know our names and uh, he sent them to one of our buddy boats and this is an amazing photograph. It's almost as good as what Pat Boyle took of our boat in front of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> and we've got that one. I'm not sure if that's the next one. Let me jump ahead to that. There it is. That's yeah. Your boat obviously at the Statue of Liberty. So you mentioned Joanne that this is your favorite one. So and I, I hear that from a lot of loopers that this is quite a moment. So what it what was it about that moment, you know, your boat there in front of the Statue of Liberty that was so meaningful for you? Yeah. Again, I've been to the Statue of Liberty. I went to New York when they were uh, redoing the torch. You could go in the museum and see all of that. But having your boat so close to it and looking up and seeing her, I have <laughs> about 350 pictures of the Statue of Liberty. And I, was, I have a pretty good lens, so I zoomed in, and there's probably something that a lot of people have forgotten or didn't know, but she's holding a tablet in that other hand. And if you zoom in on it, it says in Roman numerals, July 4th, 1776. And when I saw that, I just started crying. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. So many moving moments that Looper's talk yeah. about there at the statue. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 
Um, so I love to ask that question about, you know, what is it about that moment? And everybody's got a different answer. And it's just <laughs> phenomenal about that. Um, we've yeah. got a quick shout out to you um, from Jack and Joanne. Oh, hey. Sherry and David. Hey. Sherry and Dave on Near Miss. Near Miss. Yeah, we traveled with them for a while too. Yes, we did. And they were, uh, they just went gold. Congratulations again. Congratulations, David and Sherry. So we've got. I think once more. the statistics come out, Kim, you're going to find the. This is probably the biggest year for the loop. So interesting that you bring that up because it's not. <laughs> and I have a theory about that. Somebody, somebody's <laughs> fibbing to you. No. So here's what happened, and I, I think I've shared this before, but about June-ish or July because people were out cruising again, you know, post COVID. Um, and in June or July, we were sitting around the home port crew was going, why are we getting no loop completions? Why is nobody sending us their, you know, their, their weight crossing announcement. And we eventually came to realize that it was because in the first half of 2020, if you had, if you were planning to start the loop in the first half of, well, from March to September, let's say of 2020, a lot of people chose to wait. And since many people take about a year to do the loop, with so few people starting in early 2020, very few finished in early 2021. Wow. So we were sitting at July 1st, halfway through the year, and we had <laughs> just a handful of loop completions. Like I'm talking about like five or six, and that wow. was it. So since then, we've gotten a flurry of them. And if you haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to our forum or our social media, well, yeah. then you it's may not realize that um, Passage Maker Magazine for the last several years in their Great Loop itch issue, which comes out in March or April, has published a list of the boats that have completed the Great Loop. So, of course, they come to us for that list. So just last week, we put out a notice that said, hey, if you did not let us know yet <laughs> that you crossed your wake in 2021, now's the time because we need to submit that list to them. So we had been getting quite a few and we got a whole flurry of them in the last week. But as of earlier today, when I sent that list in, I believe the number was 124. Now we've got two oh, months wow. left, so we'll probably get a few more and yeah. we can still get those few to Passage Maker in time for the issue. Um, but so we were at about 124 and the record year was prior to that was 2019 and it was about 179, Wonderful. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So not a record year. I think 2022 will be back on track and be a record year. Um, yeah. But it's actually more than I expected it to be when six months ago I was sitting there going, where the heck did everybody go? <laughs> um, well, I can tell you, year, yeah. when we were in, uh, we had just left Mackinac Island and uh, we heard that uh, the Lake Erie or the um, Erie Canal had started flooding and what we heard was that there were 300 boats behind us, either before the Erie Canal or in the Erie Canal. And so uh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And, and if the marina space in Michigan is any indication, next year is going to be crazy. Yeah. Next year, I think there's going to be a lot of loopers out there. Um, again, something we've been putting out in our newsletters and our forum and everything else. There's some lock closures coming up. Not too bad for 2022. Really not too bad for 2023 either, but a little bit more challenging. But, you know, certainly be looking at the Illinois waterway lot closures that are planned um, because that could bring down the numbers for 2022 or 2023. Um, so I want to finish up with your pictures. This is a beautiful okay. lighthouse. I don't know which one this is. I am going to take a wild guess and guess that it's on the Hudson somewhere, but I could it be is. wrong. 
It is. Okay. Those were, yeah, those all looked like actual houses. There were so many of them that it wasn't That's just the lighthouse. Yeah, light keepers. So, so interesting statistic we did hear about when we were in um, Michigan. Uh, they were celebrating some lighthouse appreciation. And Michigan has the most state-owned lighthouses of any state in the country. And the total number, if I remember correctly, was either 550 or 850, but it was a huge number. Guess who's number two? I'm going to guess New York. Wrong. It's Maine. You know how many they have? No. Eight. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's what I said. Yeah, well, Lake wow. Michigan is just enormous. Well, so. but you got Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, Lake yeah. Erie. Yeah. 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 But that and is interesting. Yeah. But yes, so I, I guess the Hudson River, because this looks like a house with a light attached to it, which yeah. is, is pretty typical of what you'll find there. This is a beautiful shot of one. I'm guessing, Joanne, you took most of these photos? Yes. I, I left, um, and upon. Completion of the loop, I think I'm at um, 11,000, 12,000 pictures. Wow. Well, this is an <laughs> for, for those of you maybe listening and not watching, um, phenomenal shot of a bald eagle in flight. Um, and there's a series of those. There's a series of those pictures, um, and it's a little blurry. I mean, I could have, we were just so far away, it was hard to get. It was on the Illinois River. Yeah, and uh, our one of our buddy boats in the front, Jim and I, he was the eagle eye. He would tell me, Joanne, portside, eagle, beach, tree, <laughs> branch. <laughs> and uh, that's another good reason to go eight miles an hour because um, if I wasn't prepared for it, I could run downstairs, get my camera, <laughs> make sure I had a battery that worked, and then look for the eagle and take the picture before he flew away. But that eagle was sitting on the beach and then uh, he started to fly and I have pictures of his wings down and up and yeah, he was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful photo. Um, we, we covered this one of the Statue of Liberty. Tell us, this is pretty recognizable for most of us. Um, and again, for those of you just listening, it is a photo of the Blue Angels in formation. Um, no space between the planes and the angle that no of this photo was taken, but tell us where this was and what kind of an experience is it to see the Blue Angels from aboard your boat? It was amazing. I've seen the Blue Angels being from Louisiana and Mississippi. um, They are right there in Pensacola. So they have shows over here all the time. And so I've seen them, but not like this. And uh, we were in Annapolis and uh, Memorial weekend, Memorial weekend. And it was also graduation week for um, the Naval Academy. Naval Air, Air, Force. Air Force Academy, of course, because it's planes. Yeah. But uh, so it looked like an officer and a gentleman with hundreds of uh, <laughs> men and women in the white yeah, uh, uniforms. And it was family weekend. It was beautiful. But the, the uh, when we came in the day before, uh, they oh. were practicing. And so for, I don't know, 20 miles or so, they were just flying over us in formation and doing all sorts of crazy things. And so we got to see them for like the entire day over and over again. And then the uh, show that they actually did on that day lasted, I think, 30 minutes. So, um, but we were standing on the bow of our boat uh, with, you know, tens of thousands of people around and uh, it was beautiful. 
Yeah, and two opportunities for most loopers on kind of the, the seasonal plan on the loop. Um, usually the Blue Angels do the um, graduation weekend there in Annapolis for the Naval Academy. Um, so many can see there in May. And then um, they have a homecoming show every year in Pensacola that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is usually timed pretty well for loopers who are, well, some loopers who are coming through getting ready for the Gulf crossing. So we've got a shout out for you um, from Vanessa. Vanessa. Yeah, they were here in Bay St. Louis just that, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they stopped in Bay St. Louis for what, three weeks, three I think, weeks. For that, right, Vanessa? They're over in uh, New Orleans. The Big Easy right now. So enjoying that. Excellent. Yeah. And again, for those of you on the Facebook group, we can't necessarily see who you are if you don't tell us. Um, so we've got somebody that gave a shout out from the Facebook group, and all we can see is this Facebook user. So if you're in, the Great Loop Facebook group, and you have a shout out for Jack and Joanne. Um, just tell us in the comments your name because we can't actually see that where we're reading the comments. We've got a few more photos I'd love to get to. Um, and this is something I think a lot of us have seen, but not in person. So tell us about this photo. What are, what are we looking at here? This is Christ of the Deep. And uh, this is one of three statues in the world that, were, that was done by a, uh, an Italian uh, sculptor, I believe. And um, they're placed in three different parts of the world. And this one is for the seafarers in uh, Florida or in the U.S. And he's uh, 28 feet down. And so we're snorkeling. The first time I saw it, I was diving. Uh, but the water was very murky. This was years ago. And uh, this could not have been more perfect. I mean, there was sun shining down and it was and again, it was like going to the Statue of Liberty. It was one of my favorite places. It's on one of the keys. They're on one of the um, key keys. Mar well, Alamorada. No. On one of the key, the small keys outside of Hawks Channel, um, between Almorada and Key Largo, and we just took the boat out there and grabbed a mooring buoy, spent you know three, four, five hours snorkeling that day, and uh, then went to Rodriguez Key to anchor for the night. It was a it was a great day. Yeah, and a beautiful photo, and you know you can see the fish there. I mean, it's just just a perfect, perfect shot. Um, and this is a group of loopers, I believe. But tell us wow. more about yeah. this photo. Well, oh, there's there's Kevin. one other looper, Kevin yeah. Parcell, and he was a buddy boat with us when we first started our loop, and so we got to uh, Key West. Uh, we were there for the month of February at the uh, Key West Bite Marina, which is three blocks from Duval. And we spent a month there. And I'd been to Key West. Uh, that was my eighth time. And being there a month, I saw things I'd never seen before. I mean, it's just a beautiful place. But these are friends and family who came to visit us. Right. And uh, we... All at one time. Yeah, all at one time. They stayed. <laughs> they stayed. Uh, well, my sister is the only one that stayed with us. Uh, she's in the black and white in the front. But, and, um, and Kevin is uh, just finishing the uh, lower Mississippi. And uh, I think he's either in New Orleans or on his way to New Orleans. So, um, and, and the lower good, Mississippi good is a, a route that most bloopers don't take either. So Correct. The, the path less traveled. Yeah. Yes. Of course, is the two of you. Where was that taken? Is that Lake Huron? Yeah. That's Lake Huron. And um, no, that's like no, Michigan. Oh, it's like Michigan. Yeah. yeah. And there was a lighthouse behind us, but the base of the lighthouse was kind of ugly. So we took a picture. <laughs> Those are sand dunes. What do they call that? Wall? Yeah. They're just the, the, the white cliffs, the, the sand dunes. Um, that's, those are some of the first sand dunes that you hit 
as you come south uh, from Mackinac on the uh, on the western side of uh, of Michigan. Um, and speaking of Lake Michigan and Mackinac, um, tell us about this photo. This is uh, Charlevoix, and these are the mushroom houses. These were built in the 50s and the 60s, and at one point there were about 60 of the homes, and now they're down to about eight, I believe. And uh, it's just an artist who decided to make bizarre homes. It reminds me of the Flintstones, actually, but uh, they're they're strange and beautiful, and uh, they're within walking distance from the marina, and it's definitely worth the walk. Yeah, Charlevoix is such a, a looper favorite. It is. Yeah. Charle Charlevoix had a, um, uh, like a pavilion where they had the local orchestra playing every night so we could sit on the bow of our boat and listen to the music. Mm. It was awesome. And then this one is Mackinac Grand Hotel, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. it is the Grand Hotel. That's the ice cream shop. Oh, yeah, the little, <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. took that because if you take a picture of the front, it's uh, it's they impressive. It's impressive <laughs> the, the the building, but the flowers are what amazed me. Yeah. There's amazing flowers everywhere. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your visit to Mackinac because it's a pretty unique place. Well, I'll tell it because Jack didn't care for it. So um, I had I didn't mind it. But okay. go ahead. He had to pay $10 a person to get into the building. And he thought that that was ridiculous. But I mean, look, at, can you imagine the upkeep on this place? So That's what he's never complained about paying for anything anywhere. And he complained about $10 for this. But actually, uh, that's the first time I've heard that. But that is, does strike me as a little odd. So I, I'm somewhere between me, the two of you. Well, me. No, think of this as a museum because that's what museum. it is. It's, it's a good. hotel. They charge it's, people to stay there. It's a museum, and uh, we—they let you go all the way up. We went to for the, ten dollars oh, to the third floor, and it's just beautiful. And they've kept the uh, wallpaper and the carpet and all of the furniture are original. And they, well, the the patterns of the carpet and the furniture are all original, but they uh, remake them every time they they wear out. So they're custom fabric, and the flowers. Uh, you know, I'm here from the south, and we—it's uh, very dry here, and we don't have changing of the leaves and all. And I saw uh, hydrangeas that were bigger than Brenda McBride's head, <laughs> our friend. And I—I I just don't understand the north up there, where you can, you know, everything ends in like the end of September, beginning of October, and then there's snow everywhere. And then the spring comes and everything just pops out and they're enormous in no time. That's how I get a big hit. <laughs> well, and, and, and Pat Boyle, who we mentioned already. He's laughing. Uh, <laughs> Pat's laughing because he was reckless and had to listen to Jack complain about the $10. <laughs> oh, the memories. So yep, obviously some good times there. Um, these pictures are just, a phenomenal kind of look at the types of things you can see on the Great Loop. And um, Sue Robinson Schultz says they're looking forward oh, to the yeah. Loop next year. Good luck. So I'm excited for you, Sue. Um, we are actually running out of time. Sometimes these just okay. fly by. Um, but so tell us if you would, you know, what's next for you? We know you're back home in Bay St. Louis, but um, you're not done boating. So where are you headed next? No, we're not done. We, um, we intend to start current target Liftoff is around the 10th of January. We'll be migrating toward 
a marathon where we plan to spend the month of February. Um, the after marathon, if everything works out, we hope to get to the Bahamas for a few weeks. And then uh, we would, you know, it's really on our list. I'd like to get to the Shady Harbor for the pig roast again. And I'd like to, we'd like to really want to do the Trent Severn waterway. And as long as you dump out in, in the, um, in the, from the end of the Trent Severn, you might as well go around the top of Michigan and do it again. So we'll see everybody. If we can get a, if we can get a slip, we'll see everybody in, uh, in uh, Rogersville next year. Yeah, well, you got to get home somehow. So if you're already all the way up there finishing the Trans Severin, it's probably exactly. on the rivers again. And, then I, and we, I, I tell you, and I, we, a lot, a lot of loopers, they're not crazy about the rivers. I truly enjoyed the river system. I mean, it's yeah. scenery like you don't see anywhere else. It's uh, current either with you or against you. So it's, you know, it's like going through an inlet in florida somewhere where the tides with you half the day and against you the other half so i really i really enjoyed the river system there's a lot of remote areas a lot of great little towns and and, and really they have uh something that you cannot see unless you're in a boat and that's the white cliffs of epps and uh it is chalk and or they call them chalk it looks like it was poured it, i wanted to put the picture in there but uh it's you can only see it it, it goes for about a mile or so yeah. and it uh used to be 80 feet and now it's about 60 feet high but the only other place they have anything like it is in europe and they believe that you know tens of thousands of years ago they were actually created at the same time which would explain the split from north america to here so two final things we'll try to wrap it up um first you know and, and we'll limit it to one, but, you know, from each of you, I guess, but like one piece of advice or tip for those who are just thinking about doing the loop, um, either that you wish you knew or, or just something you learned along the way that you would want to pass on. What's your best piece of advice for somebody who's new to looping? Well, uh, COVID was a special circumstance and uh, we left in January, got back in, in uh, November and had not been home to visit family. And that was the most difficult part for me. So plan ahead, find an airport where you're going to be and plan to be there so that you can fly, you know, you can get to a, an airport and fly home because it just didn't work out for us, you know, with COVID and then Ida, Hurricane Ida down here. And then we caught that lock for four hours. And when we got to Rogersville and <laughs> couldn't go home then. So uh, uh, for me, it's the, the best. And I, you know, I said it at the rendezvous um, and I say it to everybody that I meet that's in the planning stages. The hardest part about doing the loop is throwing the dock line the very first time. It'll never be 100 percent ready ever it'll never be 100 percent ready throw the dock line and go it's a one-day boat trip a bunch of them <laughs> but no that is a great way to look at it and that is good advice very last thing um i think you mentioned um you didn't quite blog i think you kept a facebook page right correct? right um is that open for others to check out and if so how to yes. find you on facebook yes we're on uh facebook at the adventures of jackpot and it has gazillions of pictures 
uh, <laughs> and it shows you every place that we've been. Jack has his charts on there and you can look at the loop map and see every spot that we've gone to. And his maps are interactive, so you can actually click on a spot and it'll tell you where it is. Show you pictures of the location and stuff. I, I, I'm, I like, we, we actually started the, the, um, the Facebook page for friends and family. And now, now there's like 22 or 2300 followers or something like that. Yeah. So I think everybody, likes that we like i like posting them i like it most because you know a year from now five years from now it pops up in a memory and right. reminds you of what was going on so that's yeah. that's why we did it the way we did it yeah. and, and uh, I, I wouldn't and, um, it. yeah it's a great resource for others to take a look at so definitely yeah. check that out joanne harper jack Schuff, um it's been a lot of fun it's been a pleasure can't wait for our paths to cross again Yes. Um, until then, uh, safe cruising, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on your way to Marathon or in Marathon or wherever it might be. But um, thank you so much for doing this and sharing your information, and, and have fun. Thank you. Thanks for asking us to, to join. We really enjoyed it. And to everyone out there, yes. those that we know, we miss you all. Those that we don't know, we'll meet you all. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Great way to end it. Thank you, everyone who's joined us. Um, we appreciate it. And we are doing these once a month at this point. So the next one will be, I believe it's the second Tuesday of the month. So the second Tuesday in January. So we'll see you all then. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.